0: Hi, Grace Long Beach. Good to be with you. If this is your first time either here or at home, my name is Daniel Long, and I have the opportunity and the gift to be able to share with you from God's Word. I heard this more or this week at some point somebody say the most authoritative moment in a worship service is when Scripture is read, when the Word of God is read, and then it just all goes downhill from there with the sermon, which is in a weird, which oddly gives me hope. Uh, because I think God's going to get his work done, because that's the type of God we believe in, the God who's revealed himself in Jesus. He's on the move. He continues to say things. He wants to speak to you, to me, to us, and he will do that in any and every way he sees fit. Uh, Because I trust in that type of God in the good shepherd who wants to lead us, I want to pray and ask that he would lead us and that we would avail ourselves of that leading and follow him. So let's pray together. God, you are the one who speaks. You are the one who transforms. You are the one who gets after our lives. And you invite us to come and to follow you. Thank you that you are that type of God. Thank you that you are the God who has revealed himself in the person of Jesus, whose life, death, and resurrection we see, life we find, life. God, I ask that because you are a God of life, that you might breathe new life into us today. I pray specifically for those who need uh, your fresh, creative breath, those of us who might be in places where we aren't sure if you are a God who continues to work or speak, in places where we need your comfort because it has been so hard for so many different reasons. We need your compassion. Thank you that you are a God who is faithful, who is gentle, who is kind, and I pray that that is who we hear from this morning. So God, speak. Help us to listen. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So in the beginning of May, we started a new series where we are looking at various practices, and the type of people that we desire to be. And I suggested in May that we are a community, we are a people who want and desire to learn from Jesus how to live and love like Jesus. That we are people whose life is oriented to learning from Jesus how to live and love like Jesus with our life formed around four practices. And those practices that I named are welcoming, listening, following, and going. Welcoming, listening, following, and going. Certainly there are more than four practices, but these are four practices that we kind of have come to to say, oh no, these are good practices for us together to have our life formed around as w- in terms of what it means to be a church of what it means to be a community whose life is oriented toward Jesus. And we want these to flow through everything that we do together. And part of the way that we want to be living into these practices is through small groups. Now, we talked about wanting to get these small groups going in a way where everybody who would like to participate is able to and has opportunity to participate. And we are working on that to be able to begin doing that In September and the beginning of the fall, that anybody who would like to participate in living into these four practices with other people and committed life together, that will be something that we as a community have the opportunity to do. Now, we've taken the last, so not the last two weeks because of our various rhythms of, of attending to other things, but the two weeks before that, we looked at the practices of welcoming and we looked at the practices of listening. The practice of welcoming that we are a people who are welcomed by God and that we are to then extend his welcome to others, that that becomes a practice that we want to live into. But also our life together shaped by listening, that we are people who listen to God and who listen to others, that one of the ways that we actually extend the generous hospitality of God is, our, is in our willingness to listen and to, to be listening not just to God and to what he has to say, but also to those around us and what God might be saying to us through others. So this morning, we're going to talk about the practice of following. Now, this is a practice that I feel like when I was preparing for this, I'm like, man, this is something that we talk about all the time. What is there to possibly say that could be new? And I'm not even sure that's the goal, even though that might be a temptation. What's the unique spin on following Jesus in 2021? Um, I don't know if that's... The goal. I think if something is so important, it should be said thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of times, because perhaps there's a moment in there where it really, because of the grace of God, sinks in or drops in a particular way, in a way that we need it to have transform our lives and orient our lives toward Jesus. And so this morning we're gonna talk about following Jesus. So we, if you want, you can open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4, and we're going to begin there. And when we talk about following Jesus, I want to talk about the invitation, the way, and the challenge. So the invitation, following Jesus, the way of following Jesus, and then the challenge of following Jesus. But see, this invitation, it begins begins with the words of Jesus in Matthew 4, as we heard it read, to come and follow me but it matters who the invitation is coming from. If you get invitations to things, it's not just simply the invitation that matters, but who is actually sending that invitation, and that matters in terms of if you want to actually respond or if you want to do what you're being invited to do. And so I want to talk a little bit about this person named Jesus who is inviting us to come and follow him. So a year ago, we actually went through the Gospel of Matthew, And we looked at this person of Jesus, this king, the Messiah, this person, this long-awaited Messiah that Israel was waiting for, to deliver them, to make his kingdom known, and that Israel was going to be the sort of the centerpiece of this kingdom, with this king in, in rule, and so that then all the rest of the nations might bow down or recognize that, in fact, Israel is God's people, and that, in fact, God is god of the whole world and we see that this person named jesus this messiah this deliverer comes onto the scene and he looks entirely different than anybody could have ever expected but he's a king nonetheless and what we see in this king in the gospels is a king who is truly wanting to to deliver wanting to deliver the world not just the people but wanting to bring restoration to all things and that he has brought a kingdom and that this kingdom is the way that the world is supposed to be under God's authority and rule as exercised by the person of Jesus. And we see that this Jesus came announcing that the kingdom is at hand. The kingdom is at hand. And so because there is a new kingdom that has come, It means that people are to repent. It means that people are to stop and to reconsider everything they thought they knew about life in light of this coming king. To stop and to turn. If you thought the way the world worked was this way, think again because the kingdom has arrived in the person of Jesus so repent and turn. And look at this king who's going to show you the way to live into this kingdom. But this is a king who is an authority and who wants to rule, but it's also a king that we discover in the Gospels is the one who brings life that we might have life abundantly. This is a king that when life is experienced in the kingdom, it is life lived to the full. And this is what Jesus is about. So Matthew 4 Verse 17 through 22, from that time, Jesus began to proclaim, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Now we see this in the Gospels. We actually see this invitation that Jesus extends, but then also the right response to that invitation, which is to leave everything behind and to follow Jesus. In Luke 5, 1 through 11, we're told they left everything and followed him. In John chapter 1, we see that the the disciples are asking Jesus, where do you live? And Jesus says, come and see. So the invitation to come and follow Jesus is extended, and the right response is to leave everything, to follow after him. Because this king who has brought the kingdom into the present, is going to show and reveal and describe and teach what life in this kingdom looks like. So it's worth leaving everything behind to follow after this one named Jesus. So it begins with this invitation. This following begins with the invitation, come and follow me. And it is extended to all, to you, to me, to us, to every person, and see those who are followed. Those who follow Jesus are called disciples. In the Greek, the word means learner, student. The people who follow after Jesus are the ones who want to learn from Jesus, and this is where we get into the way of following Jesus. So as we talk about the way of following Jesus, I want to talk about three things. Learning from Jesus, living like Jesus, and loving like Jesus. So this actually is one of the centerpieces of our practices together because it loops us back to the type of people we desire to be, which are people who are learning from Jesus how to live and love like Jesus. And so the way of following Jesus is to learn from Jesus, to live like Jesus, and then to love like Jesus. So what do I mean by this learning from Jesus? Well, as we see in the disciples, as we see in the book of Matthew, following this call to come and follow me, and then the disciples' response to follow, we then turn the Scriptures to chapter 5, and we see that Jesus begins to teach. And he begins to teach in the way a rabbi teaches, because Jesus was like a rabbi sitting down, actually, where his students are around him. They are wanting to learn from Jesus. That the posture of a disciple is one who is fundamental, fundamentally learning, day by day, moment by moment, from this person named Jesus, how to live life in the kingdom. That Jesus wants to instruct. Jesus is wanting to instruct you and me and us what it looks like to live life in this kingdom. And so we then are called to be students. Are you a student of Jesus? Are you a student of the one who came that we might have life and have it abundantly? Do you trust that Jesus actually wants to offer you that way of abundant life? And so if we are learners from Jesus, it implies that we are with Jesus. We are staying close to Jesus. That we are actually orienting our lives in such a way, orienting our days, our minutes, our hours, in order that we might be with Jesus. The way that John 15 talks about this is remaining with Jesus, abiding with Christ. That we are with Jesus, staying close to him. And that our lives are oriented and organized, actually, in a way that allows us to be with and to stay close to Jesus. And what is Jesus then instructing us to do? Like I said, he's instructing us to live life in this kingdom, and it means taking his instructions seriously. When we talked about Matthew five a year ago, Matthew five through seven, this is called the Sermon on the Mount. This is the collection of Jesus's teachings that are so central to to life in the kingdom of how Jesus is wanting to describe it. So it means listening to what he's saying, and actually taking those words seriously. The things that Jesus says in the Gospels that we have before us are things that that he is actually instructing his disciples, his learners, his followers to do. They aren't just crazy talk that were for a time that special people could actually live into, but they were teachings that Jesus offered for those who were wanting to learn from him. Assuming that people would actually take these teachings seriously. Learning from Jesus and being with Jesus and staying close to Jesus implies that we trust that Jesus is still present with us. Last week, we actually attended to the time of our uh, church calendar of Pentecost where Christ's spirit is poured out onto the church. And in that, we are assuming and believing that Christ remains with us in the power of the Spirit. So to be with Jesus and to stay close to Jesus is to trust that Jesus is still wanting to instruct us. That he cares about your life and wants to teach you how to live life in the kingdom. That he actually wants to do that with your days. When you wake up, when you go to work and whatever you might do, Jesus wants to instruct you in the ways of the kingdom. So the way of following Jesus, learning from Jesus, staying close to him, being with him, but also living like Jesus. See, when rabbis had students, like these disciples as we're shown in in the Gospels, it means they actually wanted to follow their rabbi around to, to not only catch the teachings he has, but to also see how they conducted their lives. And they wanted to do the things that they were doing. Because they believed that a rabbi in their instruction was not only giving them things to think about, or believe, but was to show them the ways that they were to conduct themselves. So the ways that we see Jesus at work and living in the Gospels are ways that we are called in, into living and into actually apprenticing ourselves to. We are Christ's apprentices. Now, if any of you are study or participate in some sort of craft, Not like, I mean, it could be a craft of any kind. I don't mean like crafty. I just mean like a craft, like preaching could be a craft. Writing could be a craft. Teaching's a craft. I mean, I think parenting is a craft. Uh, Everything that we do has some sort of craft-like element. But if you are in a place where you are wanting to learn what it looks like to do something, then you are watching other people who you think do it well, and you want to follow what they're doing. Now, some examples of this like, could be, um, if you're a part of a craft, like if you're somebody, like I'm thinking of a Pete Diebel right now who builds furniture. Like if I wanted to learn how to build furniture, I can't just imagine I would just go into Pete's, uh, w- Pete, where are you, what do you call this? Are you here? Workshop, thank you, Brian. Pete's not here. Um, but, uh, <laughs> If if I wanted to just go into his workshop and just assume that I knew what to do, that would be absolutely silly because I wouldn't know how to use the tools that he has. I wouldn't know how to put things together. Lord knows I would not know how to do any of those things. But if I actually wanted to learn the craft of making furniture, it would require a whole lot of time, a whole lot of watching, a whole lot of asking questions, a whole lot of failure, and then instruction of of what I did wrong and maybe what to do next time. I mean, it requires an actual apprenticeship with somebody who knows how to do it well. And so to follow after Jesus means living like Jesus and watching the way he conducted his life and trusting with my whole being that that is the right way to conduct mine. That if Jesus came that I might have life and have it abundantly, then to trust that the way he lives is truly the way toward abundant life. That his vision and imagination for the good life is truly, in fact, what the good life actually is. But to be with Jesus and then to live like Jesus, to treat people in the way that Jesus treated, treated them, to show compassion, to show mercy, to show kindness, to even speak truth in love. How did Jesus do that? Following Jesus in the way of following Jesus means not only learning from Jesus, but living life and living like Jesus. We are his apprentices. And this is not meant to be abstract, actually. One of the ways that... that, um, discipleship is put by Dallas Willard, who's thought a lot about this, is that we are learning to conduct our lives in a way that Jesus would live our lives if he were I. So what does that mean? It means that following Jesus and living life like Jesus is not in the abstract of, oh, Jesus did that, so I should just do that. But that, that, that that's part of it, but that there's actual transformative work that Christ wants to do in the actual lives we're living. So what does it mean to follow Jesus, to learn from Jesus, live life like Jesus as somebody who works nine to five, as somebody who has a two-hour commute, as somebody who spends most of your days with your children, or as somebody who lives like me or others like in this fragmented space going from here to there and what feels like everywhere? What does it look like to, to live? What if Jesus was a pastor? as Daniel Long, what does that mean? What might that look like actually in practice to live life in that way like Jesus? See, Jesus is not wanting you to compartmentalize your life to say, okay, well this is when I do these things and here's when I follow Jesus. No, Jesus wants all of it. And Jesus wants to instruct us and how to live our lives in the ways that he would have us to. I mean, that's a beautiful, and that's a remarkable thing, and it's also very challenging, and it's a complete mind shift to think that there aren't just compartments of my life when I do this and compartments of my life when I do this. But no, Jesus wants all of it, and he wants to instruct you completely in all of it of what it looks like to live life like Jesus, to live life in the kingdom. And so finally, loving like Jesus. So the way of following Jesus, learning from Jesus, staying close, being with, living like Jesus, being his apprentice and really doing the work of what, is it, what would it look like if Jesus had my life and to live like Jesus in that way, but then also loving like Jesus. What does Jesus show us about what it means to love God and to love neighbor? Those two commandments are in fact the most important commandments What does Jesus show us about loving God and neighbor? Well, where my mind goes immediately is this incredible hymn in Philippians chapter 2. If you want to turn your your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2, because when I think about this picture of what it means to love like Jesus, I know few places that are better than this wonderful song that the Apostle Paul gives to us. If then there is any encouragement in Christ and you probably know this but may it may it hit you afresh if then there's any encouragement in Christ any consolation from love any sharing in the spirit any compassion and sympathy make my joy complete be of the same mind having the same love being in full accord and of one mind do nothing From selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. And catch this let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. See, Paul is telling us to have the same mind, let the same mind be in us that was in Christ Jesus. There is an implication here. person of Jesus at work through the Spirit actually wants to produce within us the same mind of Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness and being found in human form. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And therefore God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name so that the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord To so the glory, God the Father, amen. Thanks be to God. Have the same mind in you that was in Christ Jesus. There is this sense in this song that Paul is describing Jesus of humility, of self-emptying and of being obedient. There's an utter complete obedience to what God is up to in the person of Jesus, but there's also this complete self emptying and humility that is described. That the cruciform life, a life that is actually formed around this idea of the cross, of Jesus whose orientation is to the cross, the cruciform life is one that is self emptying toward others, for others, considering others more important than myself, being humble. Being obedient to the point of death. There's this sense in which the, the loving like Jesus means emptying myself for the sake of others. Greater love has no greater love has no one than this one who is, will give his life for his friends. I mean, that is the sense of love. Loving like Jesus has this orientation of being self-emptying, of being humble, and ultimately obedient to the work, to the way that God has called us. So this way of following Jesus, learning from Jesus, staying close, being with, living like Jesus, being his apprentice, watching what he's doing, taking his life seriously, considering what, how would Jesus live my life if he were I, and then loving like Jesus, having a love that's self-emptying and oriented toward others and ultimately oriented toward obedience to God. So, we've talked about the invitation of following Jesus. We've talked about the way of following Jesus. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the challenge of following Jesus. First, it demands our whole life. Jesus is after our whole life, He's after your whole life, not just part of it. He wants all of it. If you look at the, at the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is after the heart. The very core of who you are. Nothing is left out. And that is demanding. And sometimes it's easier to, we think in our minds, we start with the demand. And we forget the one who is inviting us. Who's extended the words to come and follow me. Because again, this is a king who has come to deliver. This is a king who has brought a kingdom to show us what life in the kingdom looks like. This is a king who has come to give us life and life abundantly. And because that is true, then perhaps we can entrust him with our whole lives, which is what Jesus is after. So the challenge is it demands everything, not just part of you, not just the part you'd like to give up. Eh, that seems nice. I think I have time for that. But all of it, every single thing, that's what Christ is after. And that's what the good life is, actually, is letting Christ get a hold of it and transform it and shape you into the people that God has made it possible for us to be. Because disciples, as we see in the Gospels, they were not great people. They made lots of mistakes. Multiple times, Jesus constantly said, did you not hear what I said? Or how could, you, how could you not know? So perfection is not what it actually means to follow the way of Jesus. What it means is you just don't do it halfway though. You just don't do it halfway. There's no point in, in following Jesus halfway. It's everything. It's our whole lives, oriented toward the one who come to give us life and life abundant. You cannot serve two masters, Jesus says. Which implies you're either following and serving one, or you're following and serving another. There is no middle ground. Because Jesus has brought the kingdom into the present and has invited us in to living life within it. so it not only demands our whole life and there's no halfway to following Jesus, I also also mean it takes a lifetime, like it actually demands our whole life. It's not something that just happens, but it's a life that we live in orientation to Jesus, learning from him, living like him, and loving like him. It's a whole life that Jesus is after. And this is why it also takes practice. To be an apprentice of Jesus means that we are people who are on the way, practicing the way of Jesus because it demands our whole life. And because a whole new thing has begun, it means we need to learn and practice how to live within that life. G.K. Chesterton says this famously, if a thing is worth doing, it's worth doing badly. If a thing is worth doing, it's worth doing badly. And I hope I hope you hear the grace actually in connecting this to following Jesus. Because if it's worth following Jesus with everything I I have, we have, then it means that it's worth not knowing how to do it and continuing to learn how to do it. You are you are not called to be a superstar in the kingdom. You are called to be a disciple, a learner, a follower, one who is open to the transformative and ongoing work of Christ in your life. It takes practice. The Apostle Paul says a few different uses different language to talk about this. In Romans 13, he says, he says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Like as if it's something to to put on, to live in, to work out. Colossians 3 says to clothe yourselves with a certain way of living in response to one's life, being hidden with Christ in God and dying with Christ and being raised again with Christ. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Clothe yourself with love and with joy and with compassion, with bearing with one another. This implies that it's this ongoing work that takes practice and it takes a lifetime and it takes a day and a moment and an hour to try and think through this and to set my thing, to set my mind on things that are above, as it says, also in Colossians. Anne Lamott, who's a famous writer, tells the story in her book about writing called Bird by Bird. And she actually begins with the story where she's talking with, she, she uses this description of this moment she remembers when her brother was at the table and he forgot or he did not finish his uh, essay uh, t- that was for school for a grade on birds, he and, she, and this and her brother's lamenting to her dad like, "Well, like I didn't finish, I didn't finish this. What am I gonna do?" And the dad responds with, "Well, bird by bird, bird by bird, gotta gotta do it." got to try it got to take a step and bird by bird moment by moment following after following i mean this is the way that, of life that jesus is calling us into it takes practice it also involves others see jesus calls a person and he calls a people or i mean he calls a person but he also calls a people I mean, even in this example of Matthew 4, he calls two, and then he calls two again. And we know that he had 12 around him. And then we also know that when the Spirit of God was released, it was released on a people. So this idea of following Jesus is not a solitary effort. It takes our whole life. It takes a whole life. It takes practice, but it also involves others. Jesus calls us to follow after him together. And we need each other to learn from Jesus how to live life in the kingdom. We need it. I need you and you need me and we need each other to learn from Jesus how to live and love like Jesus. And so what might next steps be in this? Well, the first, like, one practical step I want to suggest to you, and perhaps you have this as part of your daily life, I'm just going to encourage you to do it, to keep doing it if you already do it, to do it if you don't do it, is I think, and I would encourage you, to read the Gospels regularly. I think we need to have a regular engagement with Scripture, like, it's good to have the breadth of Scripture and to acknowledge it. I think we also need an ongoing, ongoing regular rhythm in our lives of reading the Gospels, of looking at the life of Jesus, of what Jesus is doing, what he's up to, how he's living, how he's loving, learning from Jesus. So that's one, that's one practice I encourage you toward, is to read the Gospels regularly. And then here are two questions I want you to consider. I want you to consider this question. How might Jesus be calling you to follow him with your particular life? How might Jesus be calling you to follow him with your particular life? Like, are there areas of, you, of your life you feel resistant to giving over to Jesus? And what, like, like what's going on with that? I don't mean that judgmentally. I mean, like, seriously. Like, what's going on with that? To actually consider that. Are there areas in your life you feel resistant to giving over to Jesus in your particular life? Are there places you think, no, I think I'm good here, or I, I, I kind of need to hold on to this. I, I can't really entrust this over to Jesus in following him with it. And then the next question is, do you share with others what it's like and how it's going in your learning to live in love like Jesus? Like, Are there people in your life that you share with about what it's like and how it's going to follow after Jesus? I mean, it's easy to talk about how work is going. How's baseball? But to say, like, no, like, how, like, how is it going? Like, learning from Jesus. Is that a question that, that we ask? What is it like for you as a friend, as an employee, as an executive, as a teacher, as a spouse, as a parent, as a therapist, Thinking any of you, Kate Doubts. As a neighbor, what does it look like for you in the particularities of your life? Learning from Jesus. How's that going? So again, read the Gospels regularly, and then consider areas of your life you feel resistant to giving over to Jesus, and then consider whether or not you have places in your life, people in your life, where you can share with how it's going, learning from Jesus. I want to close with this. I don't really, I just get emotional sometimes. What are you going to do? I I just don't think that there's anything better than following Jesus. And I am not good at it. But if, if the God revealed in Jesus is the one who is calling us to follow after him. And this is a God who in this revelation of Jesus Christ shows us his compassion and his gentleness and his complete and utter faithfulness all the way to the cross. Like, like Why wouldn't we want to give our entire selves to that? I want to be somebody who says, I know no greater thing than to follow Jesus. I know of no better way. And notice I said I want to be a person who says that. Because again, I have a long way to go. But I really do believe Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And I really do believe that He's inviting us to follow Him. And I want to learn how to do that with you. Because I don't think that there's anything better. What could possibly be better? Thanks be to God. So we're going to participate and partake of the bread and cup. One thing is the pass. You have to figure out how you're going to transition things, right? It's like, it's like an occupational hazard. But I don't think we have to figure out how to transition this because I do think, like, well, this is the invitation, right? I mean, this is, this is the invitation. This is the way, and this is the challenge, The invitation to come and and to partake in my body and in my blood. I invite all of you. This is what Jesus is saying to us. I invite all of you to participate. And the way is to come and to receive. You know, there's this moment in the Gospel of John where Jesus is talking about, unless you can eat my flesh and drink my blood, you cannot be saved. And it is too hard for some to understand, and so people walk away, but there are a few left, and Jesus says, why are you still here? And they respond with, well, where else can we go? You have the words of eternal life. This, this, the life of Jesus for us. And it's also the challenge to be open, to be vulnerable, to say, I need that life, actually.